It is 9 October. It's Sunday. It's a great week, isn't it? We got through with the uh, hurricane, and uh, that's all behind us now, thank the Lord. I'm Charlie Garrett, and this is the CG Prophecy Report. Trader Joe in the White House. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, uh, as I noted just a second ago, we're done with the hurricane, uh, lots of activity going on. I'd like to remind people, if you ever have to go uh, to cash in scrap metal, if you're a person like me that picks up scrap metal and throws it in the back of your truck and goes down to the scrap metal place, don't do that on the week after a hurricane, okay? Because the line is really, they had mountains, mountains of aluminum out there. Mountains. I've never seen so much aluminum piled in my life. And then, of course, the scrap metal as well. And uh, so uh, just keep that in mind. If there's a uh, hurricane in your area, just skip the scrap metal for a couple weeks. And let's see here. Um, we've got a new video. This is the first one in a while from Sergio and Rhoda. Uh, they've done a new video on their channel, Sergio and Rhoda in Israel. And uh, they've had a lot of difficulties over the past six to eight months, I would say. They uh, had a move they had to make. They also have had some real sickness in the family. And so uh, they finally are getting back into the video production. And it's a very good video. It's about uh, ancient path that goes between uh, Chorazin and Capernaum. And I recommend it. It's a longer video than they normally do. It's very enjoyable. It's almost like a mini movie. So uh, please be sure to check that out. And let's see here. Um, we also have uh, one more week. We had Lee here last week with his friend Mike. They came down from up north to help with the hurricane cleanup. And uh, Lee's leaving after church today. So what a pleasure having you here. He uh, spent his time in the projects yesterday taking care of people. And so uh, he's been tireless all week with the uh, hurricane cleanup, helping people out, and also uh, spending his time in the project. So hats off to you, and we'll have you in prayer for safe travels back up north. All right, good to have you here. All right, we got some news from Israel, starting with the Times of Israel. Israel advises dual citizens visiting Russia that they may be drafted to fight the Ukraine. Now think about that. Israel's foreign minister alerted Israelis holding Russian citizenship that they could be conscripted into Moscow's war effort against the Ukraine, but stopped short of warning dual passport holders against traveling there or telling citizens to leave. The notice came as Israel is prepared for an influx of Russians fleeing plans by the Kremlin to draft hundreds of thousands of Russian men of fighting age as it struggles to hold off a Ukrainian counteroffensive backed by the West. It asks citizens to take the information into account if planning travel to or through Russia. Hundreds of thousands of Israelis hold Russian citizenship, many of whom still maintain links with Russia and travel back and forth. An Israeli official said that the Israel Defense Forces are instructing soldiers with Russian citizenship that they cannot visit Russia, and those currently there are being told they must return to Israel immediately. Russian authorities have opened enlistment offices near the country's borders in an attempt to intercept some of the Russian men of fighting age who are trying to flee the country by land to avoid getting called up to fight in the Ukraine. 
So we talked about people fleeing to Mongolia last week, and they're setting up these little recruitment stations right at the borders exiting Russia because they don't want these people getting out without a fight. So there you go from Jerusalem Post. Israel approves Aliyah of 270, anybody read this article? I just think it's great how they think. 270 doctors from the diaspora. Okay, they're looking for doctors to make Aliyah so that they can improve the quality of their health care. The government approved a plan to increase the number of medical specialists and hospital residents learning a specialty who are living abroad and eligible to settle in Israel under the law of return to make Aliyah in order to strengthen the medical system in hospitals desperate for more physicians. The government's decision is expected to bring another 270 doctors to Israel. The program will have a total budget of NIS 2.7 million from the Prime Minister's office, the Health Ministry, and the Ministry for the Development of the Periphery, the Negev, and the Galilee. As part of the vision to turn the periphery, the Negev, and the Galilee into stronger centers in themselves, strengthening the hospitals in the periphery is a critical move to boost these areas. Agriculture and Rural Development Minister Oded Forer said the possibility of accomplishing the task of absorbing immigrants along with upgrading the health system is an opportunity that must be realized. Advanced medical services in the Negev, the Galilee, and the periphery are not a luxury, he said. The residents of the north and south are also entitled to advanced medicine, shorter queues for appointments, and excellent doctors just like the center of the country. Many of the doctors who will come to visit Israel have a lot of experience, so the amount of training they need in Israeli medical system is relatively small, and they have a high potential to integrate in the Israeli health system. The program will last eight months and will include theoretical studies on practical training. The government's decision will provide an answer on several levels. The existing shortage in Israel of doctors and medical teams, especially in the periphery, the impact of the coronavirus crisis, the demand for workers in medical professions, encouraging immigration, and removing barriers to the employment of immigrants in medical professions. The manpower crisis in healthcare has been neglected for so many years to the point of a real danger to the stability of the system. In the past, we finally began to address this critical issue with both immediate and long-term solutions while emphasizing the promotion of the outlying areas. In other words, they got lots of doctors in the cities where people want to live, but they need people up in the Galilee. They need them in the Negev and other periphery areas. And so they're specifically targeting people that will want to go to that area and become a doctor and take care of the needs of people. Now, it's kind of like my grandfather. He moved here in 1948 from up north. He was a uh, doctor, and he came and helped at the early expansion of Sarasota Memorial Hospital. And so he was a doctor with a black bag. He'd get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning, and off he went. It didn't matter if he had to drive all the way to Longboat Key. He would do it. And uh, he was the first board-certified doctor in the state of Florida. I was going to say Israel, but in the state of Florida. So there you go, kind of interesting. And uh, that was many years ago. But uh, like I said, 1948, he moved here, and it was a small little town. And now we're the hub of and the desire of all of the people of America. Great stuff. Okay, from the Times of Israel. Israel rejects Lebanese changes to maritime border proposal, putting deal in doubt. Prime Minister Lapid rejected Lebanon's requested modifications to a proposed maritime border deal. If you were watching this over the past week, 
it looked like Israel was going to give away the entire shebang. They were just going to sign a deal with Lebanon and let them have everything. And boy, the world came down on them. And apparently that was a little bit of bickering back and forth between Netanyahu and Lapid. But um, that obviously is now in crisis and it's probably not going to happen. Contradicting earlier assertions by Western officials that Lebanon's objections were minor, the official called Beirut's demands significant. The statement cast doubt on the viability of a deal that only days ago, Israel officials were speaking of as a foregone conclusion. Lapid also emphasized that he would not compromise on Israel's economic and security interests, even if it meant that there would be no deal in the near term. The official also warned the Lebanese-based Hezbollah terror group against trying to strike the Karish offshore gas field or threaten Israel, saying the talks would end permanently and the terror group's leader, Hassan Nasrallah, will have to explain to Lebanese civilians why they don't have gas rigs or an economic future. Israel's high-level security cabinet is set to convene to discuss the terms of the U.S. proposed deal for a maritime border with Lebanon. Likud leader Benjamin Netanyahu claimed credit for Lapid rejecting Lebanon's requested modifications to the proposed maritime border. Okay, and that's probably true because Netanyahu came out and he just lambasted him for what he was giving away and all of a sudden everybody backed off. So it does look like that was the case. From Newsmax, just the title, as violence in the West Bank increases, IDF permits use of armed drones. Death from the sky. Wow. Okay, we got some news from Christianity from the Daily Wire. Um, you know, I'm not really a fan of his theology. Uh, he's not bad in many areas, but he's got a couple areas that are highly suspect. Uh, but this guy is morally on target. And this is MacArthur, okay, out in California. Reprehensible act of gross blasphemy. Renowned California pastor writes open letter to Gavin Newsom after abortion billboards quote Jesus. Now before I read this, I'll tell you what happened is that they were having these billboards put up all over America and they were quoting Jesus, how love thy neighbor is uh, good for promoting abortion. Now I guarantee you that if you were to put up a billboard in California at state expense with any other message from the Bible that the people would soothe, they would vote him out, they would have riots. But when it comes to abortion and taking a verse out of context, it's okay to quote the Bible. So here we go. LA area pastor John MacArthur penned an open letter to California Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom after the governor blitzed red states with abortion billboards earlier this month. Newsom's billboards promoted California as an abortion-friendly state and quoted the words of Jesus Christ when he told his followers to love their neighbors. In other words, kill a baby, love your neighbor. MacArthur called out Newsom's abortion ad campaign, writing that it revealed to the entire nation how thoroughly rebellious against God the governor is. You further compounded the wickedness of that murderous campaign with a reprehensible act of gross blasphemy, quoting the very words of Jesus from Mark 12:31, as if you could somehow twist his meaning and arrogate his name in favor of butchering unborn infants. I love this guy's style of writing. As I said, his morality is spot on. You use the name and the words of Christ to promote the credo of Molech. 
it would be hard to imagine a greater sacrilege. The Democrat governor rented 18 billboards in Indiana, Mississippi, Ohio, Texas, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Oklahoma, all states that have passed or pushed for legislation to promote unborn babies. A billboard in Texas features a woman in handcuffs with the caption, Texas doesn't own your body. You do. Another billboard asks, need an abortion? California is ready to help. At the bottom of the advertisement, Jesus is quoted from Mark 12, 31, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Along with advertising for abortion in other states, Newsom recently signed a wave of pro-abortion bills aimed at making California a sanctuary for those seeking abortions. MacArthur's letter comes after he called out Newsom in a recent sermon for choosing to quote the words of Jesus to promote the practice of abortion and said, a line was crossed this week that really, really gripped my heart. I say this because my heart is grieved that Christ should be so dishonored. Billboards across the country with the words of Jesus trying to support abortion? Terrifying, he added. So good stuff from him. Breitbart, we need more pastors like that that are at least willing to speak out on these issues. I mean, one out of every thousand will stand up and say anything negative in this country about the left's agenda. So it's good that we have somebody at least prominent that can do that. We need more. Breitbart, AP declares Catholic confessional seal a loophole for child predators. Well, they're doing that as an attack against Christianity, but I have to agree with them. For years and years and years, the Catholic Church has used these confessionals for all kinds of perverse things. From the Christian Times, killing of Christians at epidemic levels in Nigeria. It's been going on for years and never makes the news. Let the Rohingya be persecuted in uh, Myanmar. The whole world hears about it. But you don't hear anything about these literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Christians every month, much less every year, getting slaughtered in Nigeria. From the Christian Post, grateful to be alive. Christians gather for worship in Fort Myers after surviving Hurricane Ian. Those poor people down there have just gone through the ringer. And they're going to be going through it for a couple months at least. A lot of, Over 100 people died down there. Many homes are completely destroyed. These people are thanking the Lord that they survived. Got some news from Mideast and Africa today. Oh, well, we're going on. Um, uh, just so you know, if it interests you, we're not doing a regular sermon today. Uh, we're going to be doing something a little different. And if you watch these um, prophecy updates, you might take the time and watch. It's going to be a shorter sermon than usual, probably. And um, I would just hope that you would take the time and uh, join us. Or if you're streaming online, don't sign off after the Prophecy Update. Stick around and uh, you might hear something that will uh, help you understand the times we're living in. Okay, from uh, JNS, Arab diplomats urge new British prime minister to not move embassy to Jerusalem. Now, this is going to be a test of mine concerning Liz Truss, because we had, what, eight presidents or seven presidents in a row that said, we're going to move the embassy to Jerusalem, and they all stood up there and they lied to the American people, just to get votes, just to get people believing them, never believe a politician. One man who was not a politician, Donald Trump, said, I'm going to do it, and guess what he did? He did it. So we're going to find out if Liz Truss is a worthwhile prime minister or if she's just another you know, mouthpiece, that politician. All right, Arab ambassadors in London 
have sent a letter to the new UK Prime Minister, Liz Truss, urging her to scrap what they described as an illegal and ill-judged plan to move the British Embassy to Jerusalem. Somebody remind me to email her this week. I want to send her an email about this issue. Some Arab diplomats have warned that such a move could jeopardize negotiations on a free trade deal between the UK and the Gulf Cooperation Council, which is slated to be completed this year. While the report noted that numerous Arab nations were expected to oppose the prospective move, it emphasized that both the UAE and Bahrain, which two years ago normalized relations with Israel as part of the Abraham Accords, also endorsed the letter. For his part, Palestinian Authority envoy to London, Hussam Zomlot, was quoted as saying, any embassy move would be a blatant violation of international law and the UK's historic responsibilities. It undermines the two-state solution and inflames an already volatile situation in Jerusalem. The rest of the occupied territories and among communities in the UK and worldwide. It would be disastrous. It came after Truss, who was previously Foreign Secretary, pledged, here it is, during the Conservative Party leadership contest in August to review moving the embassy, adding that she was aware of the importance and sensitivity that surrounded the legation's location. Okay, having said that, Donald Trump said that he was going to do it. And the whole world, including these same people that just spoke out in this article, said, if you do it, it's going to harm our relations, blah, 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 blah. And he did it, and it didn't harm anything. It made things better. So we would hope that Liz Truss would be a person of her word and say, not only am I going to explore this, but I'm actually going to do this thing, okay? From the Washington Free Beacon, Savior of Tehran, China props up Tehran with major oil purchases. This has been going on. It's still going on. Iran has illicitly sold China $38 billion worth of oil since Biden took office and relaxed sanctions reinforcement on Tehran. Now, why do we need a deal with when we have a guy in the presidency like this? That's just letting him do it anyway. What's the point of a deal? He's not doing any of the deal anyway. Revenue from the Chinese has kept Iran's hardline regime afloat as it grapples with the largest outbreak of nationwide protests in years. Chinese imports have likely even exceeded the purchases made when the trade was not subject to U.S. sanctions. While the Biden admin has not nixed U.S. sanctions on Iran's lucrative oil trade, it has eased its enforcement of these measures, according to experts tracking the situation. This has allowed Iran to export around 1 million barrels of crude per day to Beijing amid a global supply crisis and enriched Tehran's hardline regime at a time when its grip on power is more threatened than ever. All of this, Jungman explained, has occurred under the current administration's lax sanctions enforcement policy, which has enabled the regime to export millions of barrels of Iranian oil and accumulate billions in revenue from these sales. It is clear that only the regime is profiting while the Iranian people continue to suffer. Times of Israel. Critics fear Saudi crown prince seeks cover from legal troubles with new prime minister title. I, th I just makes me laugh when I see this type of stuff. They want to prosecute this guy still for what happened with that guy Khashoggi a couple of years ago. Everybody brings it up from time to time to hold it against him. Uh, Biden called uh, Saudi Arabia, a pariah state, something that he now regrets immensely. And he said, we're going to get him for all these things. And now he's just saying, I'm going to be the prime minister. 
He's going to be immune. So he's not only the heir apparent, but he's also prime minister. I love this. I just love this. Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's new title of prime minister announced this past week could prove more significant abroad than inside the kingdom, where he already wields enormous power. The appointment by royal decree, and that comes from him, by the way, comes as the admin of Biden is debating whether Prince Mohammed qualifies for immunity from lawsuits filed in American courts. Before Prince Mohammed's title bump was announced, a judge had given U.S. lawyers a deadline of October 3rd to file a statement of interest on the immunity question. But on Friday, citing Prince Mohammed's new position, the admin requested an additional 45 days to make up its mind, according to a court filing. The 37-year-old de facto ruler of the world's biggest crude exporter has been targeted in multiple lawsuits in the U.S. in recent years, notably over the 2018 killing of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi in the kingdom's Istanbul consulate, which temporarily turned him into a pariah in the West. His lawyers have argued that he sits at the apex of Saudi Arabia's government and thus qualifies for immunity. I just, I love it when you just go around people and you do things because they're all nonsense people that are trying to get this guy. They just don't like him because they have a green agenda and he is Mr. Oil, but whatever. Okay, from Breitbart. Afghan man brought to the United States by Biden accused of sexually assaulting a 12-year-old boy. This is just one of articles that pop up from time to time. I thought I'd remind you of that. Okay, now something interesting from Mongolia, from Xinhua. Mongolia's central bank increases gold reserve to stabilize its economy. Mongolia's central bank said that it had purchased 15 tons of gold. A hint for you. That's a lot from entities and individuals so far this year, registering a 1% increase on an annual basis. Purchasing gold is one of the key ways for the central bank to increase foreign currency reserves and ensure the country's economic stability, noting that the country's forex reserves had shrunk because of such factors as the COVID-19 pandemic and the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Yeah, 15 tons of gold. I only have 14 tons a year, so I mean, they're really doing well. Uh, okay, Daniel prophesied the technology would increase in the end times. Hey, you know, something I need to tell all of you right now. The guy at Publix this morning, I went in to talk. I always stop and get flowers for the church, and uh, he, flowers here, okay. Um, he uh, uh, likes to talk, and so we were talking, and he said, be careful when you park your cars now because there are people that have come up from Fort Myers They've lost their homes. A lot of them are people that are thieves anyway, and they're in parking lots sleeping, etc. So I just, it came to mind, I thought I'd tell you right during the middle of a prophecy report, but be careful what you do and who you allow on your property for a while because these people are, you know, they're coming up and they're just, apparently this has been going on and he's aware of this. So there you go. Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times from Vice. China discovers stunning crystal on the moon, nuclear fusion fuel for limitless energy. So they found two things, a crystal and nuclear fuel. China has discovered a crystal from the moon made of a previously unknown mineral, while also confirming that the lunar surface contains a key ingredient for nuclear fusion, a potential form of effectively limitless power that harnesses the same forces that fuel the sun and other stars. Does anybody know this fuel before I go on? You do? What, what's it called? It's tritium and you 
Oh. One is the chemical name, one is the... Oh, is that right? Okay. Tritium is, is helium-3. Tritium is helium-3. So we got a nuclear specialist here, and so that's why I asked him. I was wrong on that. Tritium is helium-3, and that's what they're looking for, and that's what they have found. Okay, the crystal is part of a batch of lunar samples collected by China's Chang'e 5 mission, which landed on the moon in 2020, loaded up with about four pounds of rockets and delivered them to Earth days later. After carefully sifting through the samples, which are the first moon rocks returned to Earth since 1976, scientists at the Beijing Research Institute of Uranium Geology spotted a single crystal particle with a diameter smaller than the width of a human hair. The crystal is made of the novel mineral Chang'ecite Y, named after the Chinese moon goddess Chang'e, that also inspired China's series of lunar missions. It was confirmed as a new mineral by the CNMNC of the International Mineralogical Association. Chang'ecite Y is the sixth new mineral to be identified in moon samples, then the first to be discovered by China. Before China, only the United States and Russia could claim to have discovered a new moon mineral. It is a transparent crystal that formed in a region of the northern lunar near face that was volcanically active about 1.2 billion years ago. Yeah, according to state media, the new lunar samples also contain, here it is, helium-3, or he says tritium, a version of the element helium that has long fascinated scientists and science fiction creators because of its potential as a nuclear fusion fuel source. This hypothetical form of power aims to harness energy released by atoms that merge under tremendous pressures, such as those in the interior of stars. Starlight is an ubiquitous product of nuclear fusion, but human-made fusion reactors will still likely take decades to develop, assuming they are feasible at all. That said, if these reactors do become a reality, helium-3 would be a good fuel candidate because it produces less radioactive byproducts and nuclear waste compared to other atoms. Whereas helium-3 is incredibly scarce on Earth, it is abundant on the Moon, a disparity that has stoked dreams of mining the material on the lunar surface. So there you go. Good stuff. It's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation speaks of. We'll see what's going on there from NTD. Virus kills 100,000 cattle in India. Threatens livelihoods. Now, you know they don't eat beef over there, but cattle also produce anybody? Milk. Okay. The outbreak has triggered devastating income losses for cattle farmers since the disease not only results in deaths, but can also lead to decreased milk production, emaciated animals, and birth issues. The disease, called lumpy skin disease, is spread by insects that drink blood like mosquitoes and ticks. Infected cows and buffaloes get fevers and develop lumps on their skin. Farmers have experienced severe losses from extreme weather events over the past year. A record-shattering heat wave in India reduced wheat yields in April. Insufficient rainfall in the eastern states like Jharkhand state shriveled parched winter crops such as pulses. And an unusually intense September rainfall has damaged rice in the north. And now the virus has spread to at least 15 states with the number of cow and buffalo deaths nearly doubling in three weeks. It's a serious, serious issue, and this disease has been growing since last couple of years. 
The government figures were likely an undercount of the actual death toll from the disease. The first cases in South Asia were detected in 2019. That has since spread to India, China, and Nepal. It was first recorded in Zambia in 1929 and has extended through Africa and more recently to parts of Europe. Dairy is among the largest agricultural commodities in India, employing 80 million people and contributing to 5% of its economy. It's the world's largest milk producer. I had no idea about that, making up more than a fifth of global production, but exports are only a fraction of this. Well, you take out all your cows and that's going to harm a lot of people. From BBC, investigation into spikes in newborn baby deaths in Scotland. They're going to investigate it. CNN, J.J. Watt, he's a football guy. I don't know anything about football, but he had his heart shocked back into rhythm on Thursday. He's fully vaxxed. From Just the Facts, U.S. life expectancy fell with COVID vax rollout. New York Times blames a lack of vaccination in white people. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. NTD. FDA withholding autopsy results on people who died after getting COVID-19 vaccines. I wonder why. Newsmax. Two-thirds of U.S. adults are not getting COVID boosters soon. Oh, that's sad. (laughs) Morality is declining, especially in the uh, morality corner over there. Morality is declining. Here's some news on that. From (laughs) Dart... Sorry, I was, had to say it. Okay, from Georgia Star News, airline shows off inclusive uniform policy with trans cross-dressing flight attendants. Virgin Atlantic Airways launched an ad campaign highlighting the company's new uniform policy allowing men to wear skirts along with several other new transgender-related policies. This is the world we're living in. You know, one of my friends emailed me after the uh, report last week, and he said, I wish you'd put more uh, happy stuff in the report. And uh, Yeah, you know, and it, they don't watch the report anymore because of that. And I thought about it all week. I told him, you know, I try to make it happy. I try to add in irony at the end and a couple nice articles. But I got to tell you, the whole purpose of this report is to show you the state of the world. Exactly. And people aren't paying attention. And if they're not going to pay attention, so I, I really, you know, I looked around this week trying to find something that would show the state of the world that was happy. There isn't anything. It's either just stuff like sports and stuff that I couldn't care at all about, or I got to tell you what's going on here. It's not reality. It's not reality. That's right. So I got to tell you, you know, I have no problem with people not watching these reports. I have no problem with that. I, what I want people to do is watch the sermons. And if they join along for the reports, great. If not, you know, I'm still posting it on the CG report every day. You can go there and read the articles as well. But I try to keep some unique stuff for this report. Anyway, from the Rayfield, new Arizona school choice law takes effect after bid to repeal falls short. Good. Arizona's new school choice law went into effect after a bid to repeal it fell short of supporters and they failed to gather enough signatures. Arizona officials informed the Save Our Schools Arizona PAC that the referendum on the matter will not qualify for the 2024 general election ballot. Good. The political action committee needed to gather uh, 118,823 signatures. That threshold will not be met. Arizona Governor Ducey, a Republican who signed the law over the summer, said public education is about educating the public. Now, every child in Arizona will have access to high-quality school of their choice. 
So I don't understand why they have a pack called Save Our Schools when that's exactly what Ducey did. All, what they want to do is destroy our children. That's what they want. From the Gateway Pundit, leading medical groups demand Biden Justice Department and tech platforms crack down on reporters exposing child gender surgeries and puberty blockers. They want to silence you from saving children from permanent exactly. lifelong damage. Exactly. Okay, that's what they've done with everything else. They've just got people on their side to silence people for an agenda that they aren't happy with from the post-millennial. Barbara Bush Children's Hospital in Maine offers gender transition services for nine-year-olds. Oh, wow. That's a great legacy for Barbara Bush. From the Daily Wire, top Democrat official, parents will kill kids if schools don't hide kids' gender identity from parents. Can you imagine that? Oh, I'm going to kill my kid because he wants to be transgender, and the school's going to keep it from me because of that. How stupid. But don't they kill kids? They're killing kids every day, millions of them. From Metro, you know what, this is, I'll tell you what this is. This is population reduction. They haven't been able to do it in other areas. I read an article, maybe I'll include it, maybe it's in here, I don't know. Uh, it, they say that 19%, 19% of people that do this trans thing can have children. That means that 81% of them cannot have children. If you can convince enough people to go trans, you have reduced the population. That's why you have to get them before they're old enough. Got to get them. That's exactly right. Get them while they're young enough. Okay, uh, Metro Weekly. U.S. Army's first trans officer is indicted for spying for Russia. Hey, man, he's going to get an appointment to the Biden White House. I guarantee it. Okay, we got some other news from around the world, from just the news. Biden dangerously draining strategic petroleum reserve like a campaign credit card industry warns. Now, we know this is true because the prices were falling and he kept taking credit for it. And all of a sudden it starts going back up and they have been absolutely silent. But the fact is that it never fell to within a dollar and 15 cents of what it was before he came into office. So they're taking credit for all this stuff. And now... The Saudis have said, we're stopping 2 million barrels of production a day. And so what's he doing? He's selling more of our strategic reserves just to get a couple cents reduction before the election. He's using it as a credit card on your taxpayer dollars and our military security. Biden is recklessly draining the SPR to insulate his party from the political fallout of high oil prices before the upcoming midterm elections, claims the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association. Stocks of crude oil in the SPR fell to 427.2 million barrels, the lowest since August 1984. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Let me put it in perspective. If I could, at the current rate, the U.S. is selling more oil out of its emergency reserves than the production of most medium-sized OPEC countries like Algeria or Angola. We're selling twice as much per day than we're producing out of Alaska. That puts us somewhere between Exxon and Conoco in terms of the impact we're having on the daily supply. And this is happening without new oil going in to replace it. Right. He's selling our country for profit for his family. That's what he's doing. He is, he is a traitor to the United States. They need to arrest this man. They need to try him. They need to convict him and do what you do with traitors. From Breitbart. 
He doesn't. He doesn't. He just he just does it. He just does it. Breitbart. U.S. weapons stockpiles at dangerously low levels as DOD sends weapons to Ukraine. I've talked about this before. I'm bringing it up again. BOA, the Bank of America analysts issued a report warning that America's military support for Ukraine in the conflict with Russia has pushed U.S. military stockpiles to dangerously low levels not seen for decades. Okay, we have no oil to move an army. We have no weapons to defend the nation perfect recipe for somebody coming in and taking us over. Yes. Okay. As part of the $16.2 billion in support committed to Ukraine since Russia invaded in February, the DOD has sent approximately $8.4 billion worth of military equipment from its own weapons stockpiles through an authority known as the Presidential Drawdown. I have the authority as president to draw down the U.S. military. And so he's taking this drawdown and he's saying we're sending it to the Ukraine. That's what's going on. Presidential drawdowns have pushed U.S. weapons stockpiles to dangerously low levels that have not been seen for decades. On several ground systems, DOD officials have indicated that ammunition stocks have dwindled to levels that would be considered problematic during wartime. The analysts wrote that as the U.S. continues to provide military assistance to the Ukraine, you know, we I just read this morning we have, I think it was 41 to 70 billion dollars worth of uninsured losses in South Florida. Now, we could be taking that money instead of sending it to Ukraine, and we could be taking care of our own yeah. citizens, but we're not going to be doing that. Major defense contractors have been tasked with meeting demand throughout Europe and restocking military inventories depleted as a result of the 2020 presidential drawdown since August 2021. 20 times he has reduced our military, making it ineffective. They forecasted that Raytheon Technologies, Lockheed Martin, and General Dynamics are best positioned to benefit from the demands given their experience in producing legacy ground-based systems. Guess who was in charge of one of those three companies until he was appointed as the Secretary of Defense? Austin. They're all getting kickbacks. They're all getting rich off of this. Their companies are benefiting, and the American people are the ones that are suffering. The DOD's shift and focus to the Pacific and away from ground conflicts in the Middle East previously cast doubt on the fate of some ground-based defense programs. For example, Raytheon almost stopped producing high-mobility artillery rocket systems in 2021, but now efforts are being made to ramp production back up. The DOD announced that it would send 18 HIMARS and associated ammunition to the Ukraine. The delivery would not be immediate, but would take several years. U.S. News. U.S. Army misses recruiting goal. Other services squeak by. The Army fell by about 15,000 soldiers, or 25% short of its recruitment goal this year. And I will tell you that the 75% of the goal that did join are not qualified. I can assure you of that because they have not been trained properly. They've been trained in CRT. They've been trained in woke ideology, and they are not properly qualified. They're short of their recruitment goal this year, despite a frantic effort to make up the widely expected gap in a year when all the military services struggled in a tight jobs market to find young people willing and fit to enlist. Mail online. 
CIA warned about attack on Nord Stream pipes weeks ago amid suspicion that Russian underwater drones could have been used to blow key gas link, causing prices to soar by 19%. That sounds like a false flag from the CIA to me. Gateway pundit. Those who benefit are the ones who have done it. Vladimir Putin names chief suspects in Nord Stream pipeline attacks. Matt Bivens. Farewell to sanity. Are we seriously pretending that Russia and not the United States blew up Russia's pipeline? They had said they were going to do it, and then they did it. I guarantee it. Zero hedge. They what? They've got the valve. They've got the valve. Zero hedge. Former Pentagon advisor says U.S. likely attacked Nord Stream pipelines to isolate Germany. That's a former Pentagon advisor. He says it's likely we did it. Zero Hedge, Blinken calls sabotage attacks on Nord Stream pipelines a tremendous opportunity to greatly reduce European energy imports on Russia. NTD, Supreme Court overturns ruling on Massachusetts gun law, leaving constitutionality in question. The law in question, the constitutionality of which is now in doubt, imposed a lifetime ban on purchasing handguns but not possessing them on anyone convicted of a nonviolent misdemeanor that involved the possession or use of guns. So you go out and you you forget your gun on a uh, gun range. Well, that's probably a misdemeanor. You can never have a gun again. You can never go buy one again. Any little misdemeanor, that's it. But they'll let felons into this nation that have raped and killed people, and then they're doing it again two days ago and down in Los Angeles. Zero Hedge. Man 3D prints guns for a New York buyback event makes a whopping $21,000. Did it in Texas a couple weeks ago. This guy just did it. Another person outsmarted a state government trying to confiscate firearms via a gun buyback program with merely a 3D printer and a PLA filament. A man named Kem printed 110 firearms on a $200 printer that he got for Christmas and turned them into a gun buyback program held by the Utica police. $21,000. He didn't have to pay for the printer. He had to pay for a little bit of plastic goo to make these things, and he made $21,000. Genius. Genius. Times of Israel. Jewish gun owners sue New York leadership over law barring firearms in places of worship. I think they have a good case with this. From Fox 4, concealed carry insurance business is booming as more Americans pack heat. Breitbart, Ron DeSantis warns would-be looters, we're a Second Amendment state. And then Sheriff Grady, did you see him yesterday? Or maybe it was two days ago. If you come to St. Pete and you loot, you're going to leave looking like Swiss cheese. Now, that's, that's Charlie Garrett's paraphrase. I think he said grated cheese, but that guy's not taking it. He's not going to allow it. Good job for him. Mail online. The birthplace of liberty is a cesspool. Philadelphia citizens outraged over a spate of shocking high-profile crimes with more than 700 people hit by gunfire since Memorial Day. Mail online. Homeless vagrant takes up residency on Los Angeles homeowner's porch and refuses to leave as woman who lives there alone claims cops have done nothing to help protect her. American Military News. Violent, unprovoked attacks have New Yorkers on edge. There's something profoundly wrong. Well, yeah, you voted Democrat. That's what's wrong. From Breitbart. California decriminalizes jaywalking due to alleged racial bias. Did you know that? Yeah. 
Okay, who said it? You can ignore reality, but you cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. <laughs> Atlas shrugged, anybody? Anne Rand. Anne Rand, yes. Okay, I got a lesser here for you. Let's see what's going on with them. Jesus Christ's gospel's under attack, though it's being addressed by Big Mac. Newsom's stark raving mad about gruesome. He's glad he should not govern here, but Iraq. Good job. Okay, we got one irony for you this week. I was lacking. Usually I try to get you two to four, but I could only find one. And I actually had to go back into the archives and get one that I hadn't reported on. I'm sorry to give you bad news, but from Fox, Ohio medical student dies during 102-mile bike ride for cancer research. That's sad, but it is ironic. Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett, and that is your CG Prophecy Report for the week.